Hi, this is Nana Visitor, Major Kira Norris from Deep Space Nine, and you are listening to the biggest little show this side of the Gamma Quadrant, the Trek Geeks Podcast with Bill Smith and Dan Davidson. Good evening, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to this very special Trek Geeks Live podcast event. I'm your co-host, Bill Smith, and we are so grateful that you've tuned in tonight and joined us here on our Facebook page and also on our YouTube channel. Joining me tonight, as he always does, is my brother in Trek and my number one. He also happens to be the host of Discovering Trek, the Star Trek Discovery Companion here on the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. Uh, He's Dan Davidson. Buddy, you have my permission to come aboard. It's good to see you. It's good to see you too, man. We've been looking forward to this for a long time, and I'm very excited. Uh, I'm a little nervous, but uh, you know what? It's for a good cause, that's for sure, so glad to be here. Well, you know, before we get into why we're here, let's take care of a couple of housekeeping items really quickly. Yeah, absolutely. As as Bill mentioned, this is the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. We have a whole bunch of different shows that uh, you can tune in uh, to listen to. There's Paula Treks, there's Rewind, Five Year Mission, Discovering Trek that Bill just mentioned with a very, very gracious and humble host. Uh, Trek Geeks Game Night, Picard Live, and coming very soon will be Science Station 2. Very excited about that, to add that to the network. They're all available wherever you normally download podcasts, such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and of course, TrekGeek.com, Bill. Wow, I've heard of that site. I hear it's pretty snazzy. Now, plus, both on Facebook and YouTube tonight where you're watching, you can enter in comments, and we can see them. We may not get to them all, but we promise we'll be checking them periodically. Also, we want everyone to stay tuned after our conversation with Jonathan Frakes because we have some prizes to give away. If you've donated to our fundraiser tonight, you are automatically eligible to win regardless of how much you've contributed. Right, and you can also still become eligible tonight by making a donation to the Feeding America COVID-19 Response Fund by going to trekgeeks.com slash donate. The address will be scrolling across the bottom of the screen throughout the broadcast. You can see it right there. Looks pretty good. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. Now let's talk about why we're here before we introduce our amazingly special guest. If I could share the right thing, the perils of live broadcast. I know, right? I tell you what. Well, buddy, of course, we are here tonight um, to support Feeding America and the COVID-19 Response Fund. Um, Why did we choose Feeding America? Well, honestly, one of Star Trek's recurring themes is the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few or the one. And tonight, we are absolutely here because of the needs of the many. We have heard reports during this pandemic of massive food insecurity with spiking grocery prices, and we wanted to find a way to help. And as a result, we chose Feeding America. They work with a network of over 200 food banks and pantries across the United States just to help people facing hunger, even under normal circumstances. 
Right. And, and according to them, due to the effects of the coronavirus pandemic, more than 54 million people may experience food insecurity in 2020, including a potential 18 million children. And that's just unacceptable. Every community in the country is home to families who struggle with food insecurity, including rural and suburban communities. Well, you know, Feeding America has had a very quick response. They launched the COVID-19 Response Fund as a national food and fundraising effort to support people facing hunger and the food banks that help them. Uh, They've been working with government leaders all across the nation and local governments to ensure that 22 million children who rely on school meals still have access to that food outside the classroom. Plus, they've been providing emergency grants to food banks, supporting local response efforts. Plus, they've safely been continuing the distribution of food and non-food household-related items like cleaning supplies, diapers, and personal care products. Now, people may ask, you know, is my donation going to really have an impact? And it really does. Feeding America's 200 food bank members uh, uh, have received more than $120 million in emergency funding thanks to the COVID-19 response fund. So your money is going to be put to good use. Well, and and most important of all, and, and this is a message we really want to resonate tonight. If you're watching this and you need help, it is there. You can search for a food bank closest to you right on the Feeding America website based on your zip code. And more importantly, anyone can receive help from a food bank. Typically, all you have to do is provide proof that you live in that area where you're needing to get food. That's why Feeding America exists. And it's why we're here tonight to help them. Absolutely. And if you want to donate, you can help tonight by going to trekgeeks.com slash donate. That'll bring you to the fundraising campaign for tonight's live stream. All money donated goes directly to Feeding America through their partnership with Tiltify. Bill and I will never see or hear or touch any of that money. Um, And we will never have possession of those donations. So you know that the help you provide will be going exactly where it's needed most. You know, the needs of the many do truly outweigh the needs of the few and everything else right now, to be honest. And joining us tonight, Dan, is a special guest who knows this element of Star Trek extremely well. Yeah, yeah. that's 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 putting it lightly. It's not often, Bill, that we use the word legend when we talk about guests here on the show, but I think that word fits pretty well for tonight. We're here to raise money for a worthy cause, and we're honored to be joined by a living Star Trek legend. Before TNG, you may have seen him in front of the camera scheming against his family while running an ironworks company around the time of the Civil War in North and South. You may have heard him talking about stories of the unexplained or paranormal and beyond belief, fact or fiction. And you definitely heard him as David Xanatos in the animated series Gargoyles. But for us, we will always remember him as Commander William T. Riker on Star Trek The Next Generation and the TNG movies and Voyager and Enterprise and DS9, even though he played his duplicate Thomas Riker. And then as finally... We got to see him as Captain Riker in this year's immensely successful Star Trek Picard. He is one of only two Star Trek regulars to appear on five different Star Trek series, the only other one being the late, great Major Barrett Roddenberry. He's directed two Star Trek movies and episodes in five Star Trek series. And based on the videos we've seen while he is directing, I think it's safe to say he is the world champion of gum chewing. It is our distinct honor to welcome the one and only Jonathan Frakes to Trek Geeks for the very special event that we're holding tonight. Jonathan, welcome aboard, sir. I'm very proud to be here. That was a wonderful introduction. And That's usually as good as it gets from me. Well, it was, he was well prepared, I thought. Yeah, well, he's been writing that for three weeks, man. 
Um, I just I just yeah. finished actually like two minutes ago. <laughs> no, it's um it's really important that we that we have a good welcome for our guest Jonathan and and for you to take the time uh, to help us with this fundraising event is is certainly much appreciated. So I thought I'd uh, I thought I'd polish it up a little bit for you. Yeah, but our legends are still alive. I just want to make sure. Well, yes. look at the time. <laughs> uh, if to us, they absolutely are. Um, it is it is such a joy to have you here. We've obviously seen you on screen for years. We've seen you at conventions where um, we've we've been lucky lucky enough to meet you a couple of times. Um, it, it's so great to to talk to you. Tell us how are you and your family doing during this pandemic? Is everybody healthy? Is everybody safe? Um, how, what's what's the uh, what's the feeling going on? We were locked down in Los Angeles from. Friday the 13th, which is kind of the day that all hell broke loose. I was in Vancouver shooting a new television series called The Astronauts by uh, Imagine Television for Nickelodeon, Five Kids in Space. And Friday night, I finished two episodes, finished shooting two episodes, and everyone in Vancouver had closed down. So I thought they're going to come around and say, thanks, uh, get on the next plane and go home. But they didn't. Our show was the only show that didn't close. I thought, what is this? is a very odd situation. So we made some, you know, we hung out Friday and then Saturday they made a decision that, yes, we too will, will close down. And they called me and said, if you want to make your own arrangements and get home, we'll, we'll reimburse you. So oh, wow. I got out of Dodge that night. Jeannie, my wife, my wonderful wife, Jeannie Francis, was working on uh, General Hospital. Her last show was that Friday. And we have been locked down. Since we got a little stir crazy, so we were going to fly to Maine, where we live. We got nervous. Jeannie picked up the phone and rented an RV. We then <laughs> proceeded, like the Griswolds, to drive <laughs> across the country. And right now, I'm an experienced <laughs> RV driver and waste remover. <laughs> <laughs> wow uh, that's save, uh, yeah. save the neck for me clark <laughs> Jesus, oh, boy. wow that's now did you go um north north part of the country mid because we were afraid there was going to be a resurgence and also the, the volcano the volcano <laughs> the volcano was coming <laughs> <laughs> the weather was bad we went straight through the middle we went uh, Utah, Colorado, Nebraska, Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, Ohio, Pennsylvania, New York, Massachusetts, and then on. Wow! So it was uh, it was wonderful. It was much better than we dared hope, and uh, we're grateful, very very grateful. And we don't nobody knows when we're going back to work, so oh, it's true. better here the, on the East Coast. It's a hundred degrees in LA today. Yeah. <laughs> I don't need that in my life. <laughs> you don't need that. No, how, no. How long a journey was it to uh, get from LA to Maine? We did uh, eight days and seven nights, and it oh, was twenty. Great. Yeah, that's fantastic. Was, uh, we were so we were giddy. It was so much fun. <laughs> that's and something that we usually. That's a long time at a truck. And it was it was here's the deal. We we were um, clearly given. Not the best RV, 
with the RV that somebody was willing to drive across the country and drop off <laughs> so we could get it out of their fleet in LA. <laughs> this car really needed shocks. It already had about eighty thousand on it, and it sounded like it sounded like we were carrying uh, heavy machinery. <laughs> Couldn't hear, but it was a, it was a fascinating trip. That's awesome. I can only imagine. Um, <laughs> I, I, and to be stuck in a car with you for eight days um, had wow. to just be I'm so loud. I'm so loud anyway. So I, think it, I had to scream and sing above the rattle of the RV. So <laughs> I would pay money to see that. <laughs> wow. Oh, man. Well, I guess my first question for you, Jonathan, uh, since we have yeah. you here, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back in time a little bit. And I'm going to say that um, back in the mid 80s, as a young teenager, the miniseries North and South aired. And I got to say to this day, it is my all-time favorite television miniseries by far, outdoing anything else, even the big-named ones, which I won't even get into. Absolutely. But I probably watched uh, part one and part two at least 10 times beginning to end. I just absolutely... Really? I love it. Your portrayal of Stanley Hazard was fantastic um, with his Spineless. scheming. Spineless. What's that? Spineless, spineless, spineless. Stanley. Yes, exactly. Yes. Um, yes. With the the scheming, um, and of course, your wonderful bride Jeannie Francis uh, as Brett Main Hazard on the, on the show was was also incredibly um, exciting for me because as a fan of General Hospital back in the day, I really loved her as uh, Laura. Um, and I gotta I gotta ask, what is it like when you have when you have such star power in a series, when that miniseries came together, all the huge names were, were involved in it, like Johnny Cash and Elizabeth Taylor and you and Jeannie, Patrick, and, and so many others. What was it like trying to maintain order with, with, with such a huge production like that? I was very uh, naive and early in my career, so I wasn't as aware of the organizational aspects of it as I am now, having done a lot of television since then, it was it was run by uh, David Wolper, who was who gave us Roots, and he he really understood that um, that genre, the mm-hmm. uh, the miniseries. And while we were in Charleston and Natchez and all over the south, a decision was made that instead of doing a six hour miniseries we would stay on the road and do a 12-hour miniseries. So we were literally out for nine to 10 months. And because I had such a small part, I was always on hold in some <laughs> Holiday Inn hotel room waiting for the rain to come so that they could <laughs> do a little cover set. So I, I was on the road <laughs> with the show forever. And it's the show that Jeannie and I fell in love on. So it's, I have very fond memories of the entire experience. It was yeah. wonderful. It was yeah. wonderful. I've always, I've always enjoyed all of the scenes with with both of you, and and I, I was going to bring that up. I, I know that you had met Jeannie when you were on uh, Bare Essence, I believe, but you really started dating as a result of North and South, correct? Yeah, she was too young for me when we did Bare Essence. Ah. <laughs> there you go. As, as a matter of fact, in regards to Jeannie, um, you're talking about Maine. I got to tell you, I used to live in Maine. I met my wife and got married and moved up to Yarmouth, Maine, and I was up there for 15 years. And And I got to say, one winter Saturday years ago, my wife and I just decided to go for a drive up the coast. 
specifically to the cherished home, which was the store that oh. Jeannie, of course, used to own, just in the off yeah. chance that you guys might be there, but you weren't. So I wasn't very happy about that. <laughs> Not like you had a Hollywood career or anything, but, you know. <laughs> Yeah, that's so great. So tonight we've learned that Dan stalked Jonathan Frakes. That's fantastic, everybody. Um, uh, Now I'm even more comfortable. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Right? Just engenders confidence. Um, Before before I ask another question, I I want to pop this up really quickly. Um, I want to thank everybody who's donated so far. Uh, We are well over 100% of goal right now. We set an initial goal of $2,000. We're currently at 3,700 and change. Remember, folks, $5 and $10 donations have huge impact because Feeding America can provide 10 meals for every $1. So thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Please keep these donations coming in. And if for some reason you're unable to, please just enjoy the conversation despite Dan's stocking ability, which apparently is rather prolific. Oh, I got more. (laughs) (laughs) jonathan i wanted to ask you yeah we're we're back um i wanted to ask you about directing um because obviously you you started directing on next gen um a fantastic episode the offspring uh the first episode of star trek that ever made me cry um and i have to i have to ask you about that episode before i move on to, to to other projects um you Obviously, it worked with uh, with your castmates for some time. You had uh, seasoned actors come in and and uh, and work some roles. You had new actors like uh, Hallie Todd come in and and play Lol. Uh, as far as directorial experiences go, um, uh, what was it like for you? Were you nervous when you started? I was I was nervous and I was over prepared and I was uh, grateful to Rick Berman who, after allowing me to shadow for almost three seasons finally gave me a shot. And when you do is in the, in the, in those days we did 26 episodes a year hmm. and you know that they're, they're not all going to be home runs. Really? So really <laughs> think of season one. <laughs> <laughs> no vaccine. Of honor. Sorry. <laughs> I was going to think. Code of honor. Vaccine. <laughs> I um, I got a Data episode. Data is my favorite character, and Brent is, as we all know, a nice. genius. So if you've got a Data episode, that's a that the you know that box is checked. The script was by Rene Echevarria, who had oh, yeah, it was his spec script that he had submitted to Pillar, and it was his first script ever produced. So and it was it was lovely. Whoopi was in it. Ali Todd was spectacular in it, and it it uh, and I think the company knew that I had been dying to direct for you know since since I I started on the show, so I had their support. I knew the insanity of the cast, so I, having been guilty of of the kind of hysteria that I'm sure you've heard about, that our our set was um our set was Audi. There, there was wrestling, and there was a lot of singing. <laughs> and and some directors, I, who I won't name, were really did not appreciate the way we behaved. <laughs> and because I was as guilty as anyone, when they did it to me, I had no choice. But I I just I felt the pain of my fellow DGA <laughs> members. And then it turned out to be, as you said, it, it was a beautiful episode, and it was um, it, it was it was all those, it was 
a lucky time for me and it, it changed my life. Yeah. yeah. And you've done so many different um, episodes throughout the Star Trek universe all the way up to just this year. Can you give us some kind of idea of the differences between what it was like directing for TNG is new under Rick Berman and what it's like now with much less episodes in a season with Alex Kurtzman. Is there a lot of difference or you, or do you have more free will to do what you want since you're more experienced? And of course, are like a Star Trek living legend living. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, style, the style of the show has changed. Hmm. I think it's changed with the, uh, with the audience. There was a period on next gen early when Rick didn't want to cut from a moving shot to a moving shot. And if you remember, there was a lot of, a lot of uh, static uh, two shots and singles. And it was not a, um, it was not very theatrical. And on Alex's shows on discovery and Picard. And I believe this will be the case on the new Pike show, strange new world. We are encouraged to, um, as Robbie Duncan McNeil says, we are encouraged to shoot the thrill and we are given the tools with which to achieve that. Mm-hmm. The um, JJ's movies are very visual and very, yes. very cinematic. And that style, especially on Discovery, was mm-hmm. encouraged. We were encouraged to uh, create shots that uh, helped to tell the story. And we were given the tools with which to do that. Uh, Picard is a little more cerebral, so the toys were not as much part of our game but we had time to make elegant shots and we had time to let the cinematographers and the gaffers and the grips create looks on those shows we did next gen we did an episode in seven days and you were done it's seven 12 hour days and you were done on on the new streaming shows they are they're big they're they're big they're expensive they have a lot of time and it shows and your objective is obviously to, to make sure that the stories are well told, but they don't uh, they don't scrimp. And Alex wants it to. Alex Alex likes a big show. <laughs> <laughs> um, in in relation to that, you have a lot more advanced technology than back when TNG started. A lot of green screen now, and is it harder for you as a director to get the image of what you want to see? come through when you don't have those backdrops and you have to kind of imagine what it's going to be like after post-production or was it, or is it easier to, to see that? That's a really good question. It's, it's easier now because most, I know we shouldn't pay them compliments. I apologize, but that is a good question. The, um, there's a lot of work done in, in, in prep in pre-visualizing what the okay. scenes will look like. And we can, we can now share those animatics or those drawings or whatever level those are at mm-hmm. with the actors. It's really about the actors understanding what they're seeing and, and the environment that they're meant to be in. Because, I mean, we always kid about it. You're, you know, we always used to talk to little X on the green screen, little yeah. piece of tape, and that was going to be some Romulan who was threatening us or some Klingon or, you know, mm-hmm. and it became a running tag when you're on that kind of show. That you do green screen acting, meaning you're talking to somebody and you're listening to the script supervisor read back to you. But if you have a chance to explain and and you have an example to show the actors, this is what we hope. This is sort of the concept. This is the environment. This is the 
This is, uh, these are the colors. This is how loud you have to speak. This is how far away they're going to be. All that is very, very helpful for, for everybody in the room. Interesting. That's pretty fascinating. So do you have to approach it more like directing Was a, a feature film? I think so. Um, because I mean, I, I, am the kind of guy who watches all the behind the scenes stuff on, uh, on the, on the Blu-rays and the DVDs, because I like, I like the process. Um, I I like understanding how it's made and how something goes from an idea to what I see on the screen and ultimately what I love to watch over and over and over. So when you're approaching like say discovery, does it feel more like shooting first contact than it does like shooting TNG season five? Yes, absolutely. Um, when we're very competitive to Tunde, who's the producing director on Discovery, and a lot of the directors, we're very competitive in terms of the shot making because because we've encouraged, we've been encouraged to not be afraid to make uh, big cinematic shots. We can, you know, you sort of wet your whistle and imagine what could possibly be, and then. Hopefully, I, mean, I call it DGA theater. During prep, I go down with my first AD and a cinematographer and some people, and we kind of figure out, what if we did this? This would be better than Tunde did it. <laughs> so we're very competitive, and I think the competition creates a, a wonderful environment. But having said all that about how cinematic the shows are, how beautiful and visual the shows are, none of it really matters if you don't care about the characters. and. Mm-hmm. That goes all the way back to TOS and that triangle of, of Kirk and Spock and Bones. We always on our show on Next Gen aspired to find something like that. The power of, of, of that relation, that triangle, specifically the loyalty, the friendship, the uh, the ribbing, the sarcasm, the irony, all those qualities that made next made Star Trek special in addition to vision of the future that we'll, I'm sure we'll get to talk about. That's what um, Brent and Patrick and I and Marina and Gates and Dorn and, and um, we all wanted to find something like the magic that they had on that show. And on all the shows, I mean, at the core of, of Discovery is, is the power of, uh, of Sonequa Martin-Green's performance, mm-hmm. how we feel about Michael Burnham. And obviously, the center of, of the card is, is uh, Sir Patrick's exploration of this now. 20 years older man who's been through so much and you surround that with wonderful actors who are playing all these other parts and it is um if we care about the characters which i think on all the shows we're talking about we do then then to make gorgeous spectacular interesting dramatic dynamic cinematic cinematic shots then then it's fine but not that first and then, oh yeah, well, we've got to tell this story. No, we've got to, you've got to, you've got to stay on the story and stay on the relationships. That uh, that brings up a, a great point that I wanted to ask you about really quickly. Um, I think one of the criticisms I weary of most regarding Star Trek today is that it doesn't follow Gene's vision, and I use very loose air quotes around that. Uh, you brought up the positivity of Star Trek—that's something that has always spoken to us since children in the 1970s. Do you feel, uh, somebody who has a history with the franchise, and honestly, who knew Gene and was kind of hired by him, um, do you feel that today's Star Trek carries forward that legacy? Absolutely. I, I think that, and I think that everybody who's been given the, the reins 
from from Rick through JJ through Alex are very very conscious of honoring Gene's what we imagine Gene's Gene's you know he's a he was a futurist yeah this is 2020 his show was made in the 60s right and I think if anyone would have adapted and adjusted it would have been Gene and he would encourage what we are doing and attempting to do in terms of the storytelling. So I'm, I'm with you. I find I'm, I'm weary of uh, complaints about what Gene would have thought. Gene inspired all this. Mm-hmm. And the reason we're all watching and, and, and fortunate enough to be working on these shows is because of Gene's vision. And that vision is now big enough that it's carried us for over 50 years and will for another 50, I'm sure. It's so great to hear that people that are so involved in the show, like like Alex and yourself and and JJ and and people for you, have that mindset because it sounds. Unfortunately, sometimes the the most vocal people are the ones that don't understand and get it. Um, so to have that confirmation, Jonathan, really means a lot to me. I'm sure it means a lot to Bill as well. Um, let speaking ask, of, let me ask you that. Let me ask you a question. Sure. Yeah. What do you think of uh, the wonderful rumor of Tarantino wanting to do a Star Trek film? Bill, I'll go first. <laughs> um, I, I, I'm of two minds of it. I love the prospect because Quentin is such a, a, a risk-taking filmmaker. Um, however, there just once I want the guy to tell a linear story from start to finish. Um, uh, I mean, <laughs> I love, I love Reservoir Dogs. It's my one of my, it's my favorite film of his. I mean, um, I, I love Kill Bill Volume One. I, I love, I love a, a good number of them. But just once, I want him to tell a story that actually has an arc from start to finish and actually has some denouement um, instead of kind of winding us up where we should have been at the beginning. So, could it work? Yes. Um, do I think it will happen? Eh, I don't know, Dan. I have never been a huge fan of of uh, of Quentin, not because I don't like him, because I haven't seen a lot of his stuff. As a matter of fact, the movie is escaping right now. Of course, the big one with Travolta, um, Pulp Fiction. Pulp Fiction. I only saw that for the first time like three years ago. Um, so yeah, I'm, that's just me. I just watched him recently in a movie. He didn't direct it, but he was starring in it. And I looked at my wife and I said, this is the guy that wants to do a Star Trek movie. And it was the vampire one with the bar down in Mexico. Uh, from Dust Till Dawn. Um, from Dust Till Dawn. Um, yeah. I've heard a lot of rumors that if he did something, it could possibly be a Mirror Universe ep- uh, movie, which would give him a lot more reign to do some of the oddball or strange things that he likes to throw in a movie sometime. You know what? I'll tell you, I'll tell you, Jonathan, as long as whoever does it sticks to what we just talked about and the passion for what yeah. Star Trek is about, I don't care who direct. I'd let Bill direct one if he did, if if it was going to come out like that. So I'm I'm all for it if it's done we'd, right. We'd all be screwed. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, Holly's been discussed. The guy who gave yep. us Fargo is yep. and a brilliant writer and director. Yep. I mean, just the idea that that quality of filmmaker is interested in yes. our world is I, very encouraging. I think. That's one of the things that I like to do more than probably anything else when I'm not watching Star Trek or watching other TV shows with my wife. Countless times, I can't even tell you the number of times, where we'll be watching something and I'll be like, oh, he played so-and-so in Deep Space Nine or he, he was a guest star in TNG. It's just something that, that we yeah. as fans do so much. to So to be, have people in Hollywood who are famous for the work that they do to want to be involved in Star Trek just tells you everything about what the franchise means to people. Um, 
You remember the great story about Whoopi, who yes. was doing Ghost at Paramount? Mm-hmm. Shall I tell it? Yeah, please. Sure, sure. She arranged a meeting with Jane to explain to Jane that when she was a child in less than ideal circumstances, I believe in Harlem, uh, Uhuru inspired her to believe that I could do that. That can be me. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, it's almost, uh, it's, it's a cliche in many ways, that story, because it's, uh, it's, it's so powerful. It's so true. And Roddenberry then said, allegedly, we would love to have you on the show. Tell us your schedule ahead of time. We'll build you a set. We'll create a character for you. So when you're between films, and this is the kind of bullshit I'm sure people say to actors all the time. Mm. He made it happen. Rick made it happen. And we were blessed to have Whoopi able to fulfill a dream of hers mm-hmm. and carry on. And it was a gift to our show to have uh, Guinan with us. And I hear, uh, did you see Patrick and Vice? Uh, I was just going to say that. Yeah. Yeah. I did. I, thought, I think that was very real. Didn't you think that was the real deal? I do. I do. Yeah, I think it absolutely is. Dude, all yeah. I got to say is you better direct that episode. Yes. <laughs> yes. That would be great. Yeah, that would be quite the reunion. Um, speaking of reunions, a little bit of a segue. Yeah. I want to I want to talk Nepenthe a little bit with you. Yeah. Um, during a couple of interviews that I've watched, you said that you were really nervous about getting back in front of the camera after so many years. Jonathan, you nailed it. It was, I think... Yeah. I think hands down fans think that Nepenthe was considered the best episode of the season because of what you brought to it and because of what Marina brought to it. And the three of you with Sir Patrick brought back those feelings of nostalgia, but also continued the story. It wasn't just fan service. How long did it take you to feel comfortable being in front of the camera for that episode? I was comfortable about halfway through the first day. I had the uh, the thing was I I had just done two episodes, so I knew that I knew where Patrick was. Man, he was as great as he's ever been. Mm-hmm. And Marina was just closing, having starred in a play in the West End in London. Yep. So I knew that her acting chops were in great shape. I hadn't acted in a decade, yeah. probably, and I really didn't want to get buried by my friends. <laughs> <laughs> That was not going to sit well with me. So Shabon, the wonderful Michael Shabon, who's oh, yes. the, uh, who we should also pay some credit to. Mm-hmm. In a minute, Absolutely. Snuck me the script. And I was in Maine and I was working on it every morning. And, it, and one morning, Jeannie said, do you want me to run those with you? And I said, yeah, I think, I think I've got them. So I started to run the lines and I, it was clear to me that I was woefully unprepared. So Jeannie gave me the script back. She said, yeah, you better, you better keep working on this. <laughs> and I did. And it worked out fine. It, it, it really was everything that I hope for when I'm, I'm a type of person that I love trailers and I like next week on whatever. And my wife yeah. hates them because she doesn't want to know what's coming up next. When I, first saw those scenes they tell you the whole story what's that you like trailers where you you don't feel like you don't have to see the show no i don't like those at all i just like seeing action things to get me excited (laughs) 
<laughs> but uh, it, it was really great. And I got to say, in addition to to Marina and you and Sir Patrick, Lulu Wilson just stole yeah. so many scenes. It was so great yeah. to see her. Um, I love the the painful. I love the painful backstory. That sounds vicious, but of what happened with with the Rikers uh, with Riker's son, it all just seemed to fit in so well with the story of Picard. Plus, you got to film in the same place that Great Outdoors was filmed in, so that's a plus too. <laughs> you are you are a buff. I try. He is. He I try. Is. <laughs> He's something, all right. He is something. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> um. Uh, you know, I have to say, when I watched Nepenthe, uh, it was it was a pretty emotional experience for me. I mean, when Next Gen premiered in 87, it literally happened on my 18th birthday. I mean, so ne- Next Gen was the first trek of my adulthood. And I didn't necessarily feel the same connection to the characters at first because, I mean, I grew up with Kirk and Spock and Bones. But I, I realized when I watched Nepenthe that these characters have been in my life for so long that they've just become part of the fabric of it. So when there was that that sort of group hug at the end, it, it finally dawned on me how much these characters mean to me. And I have to say, it, it stands alone probably as one of the most beautiful moments in televised Star Trek. Um, I, I can put up there like the visitor from Deep Space Nine. I can put up the offspring. I can put up Nepenthe clearly as one of Star Trek's finest hours simply because of, of the humanity and the emotion it brings. So um, it, it's, it's remarkable. It was really fantastic. I, I was really moved by it. So, That's so generous. Well, Accurate, I mean, <laughs> I, I think this is the relationship that we fans feel with it. I mean, Dan and I have a have a, a different history with Star Trek in all seriousness. I mean, it it got me through a childhood abuse and it kept Dan literally from killing himself one night. And that's not hyperbole. Um, we feel ties to these series and, and characters because they say something to us about how we can do better, how we can be better. Um, we may not know how to get there right now, but it's there. It's somewhere we can, somebody will get there, whether it's an incremental change or what. And I, it took me until Nepenthe to realize how much I truly love all of the next gen characters. I watch next gen all the time. It's on somewhere every day in the world. Um, your face is in somebody's living room, probably mine every day. Wow. That's, <laughs> and I'm the stalker. I know, right? <laughs> All of a sudden, it got weird for him too, right? I know, right? That's exactly. <laughs> and we live like six miles apart. So um, I, I want to ask you, uh, after that wrong, long, dan- you know, rambling diatribe, um, what was it like to put the spacesuit back on and sit in a captain's chair? Because I think yeah. I heard fandom uh, you know, squee collectively <laughs> when they saw Captain Riker come on the stream and that, the screen in that Starfleet uniform. I did find myself getting into the lean as soon as I sat down. <laughs> <laughs> I like that scene, actually. I really yeah. thought the writing was clever. I was, uh, I was wary of uh, whether they had gone to the well to have Riker show up again and because he just said that he had he'd left Starfleet. But I think they, between Akiva and Shaban and Alex, they cleverly wove it into the story and i'm hoping that uh i hope we see him again oh, i hate to talk about him as a third person but i i certainly hope to see <laughs> i hope to have the space suit on again actually i like the i like the uh, overalls for the pizza 
That was a better. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and the beard, the beard was all up here. It was awesome. I loved it. <laughs> it was that COVID beard. <laughs> I, I, that's the only reason I have one right now. I figured I couldn't do a live stream with Franks if I, if I had no facial hair, I'd be the only one. Um, so I, it, but yeah, I, I think it, I would love to see Riker again. I hope, I, I hope we see him come across strange new worlds. I think that would be fantastic. A little Anson Mount, Jonathan Frakes action. I, I would be all, all for that. Wow. Honestly. Travel. That's Goodness. a big cast, isn't it? Anson Mount and Ethan Peck and Rebecca oh. Romaine. Yeah. And I got to say, Jonathan, it's something I have dreamed of since season two of Discovery. I've been I've been wanting that as millions of other fans have wanted it ever since he first showed up in episode one. I thought they were fantastic, and I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, that, the chemistry of those three. Yes. Have you seen the short too? Yes. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That's a that's a really it's, good. That's a great triangle right there. It really is. Um, Ethan Peck is fantastic too as Spock. Um, I got to say, he carries that legacy. He was so concerned. He took it so seriously, and I was I was very grateful to be part of uh, that discovery. So, no pun intended, yes. with him. Accidental pun, and um, he really did. He really did deliver. Yeah, yeah, he really did. And, and what could have been a it could have been disastrous, and it was just the opposite. I thought. I thought he was wonderful. In yeah, he it was fantastic. Yeah. Jonathan, I want to I want to talk about something seriously for a second. Bill brought it up just a moment ago, and it's it's it goes towards what we see Star Trek in the future. And of course, as we all know, right now it's June eleventh, twenty twenty. We're in the eighteenth day of riot of uh, prote- peaceful protesting across the nation uh, over all of the um, police brutality that's been happening and the murder of George Floyd. And I have to be honest, I said this to Bill last week when we did our podcast that for the first time I looked at my wife and I said I was scared and I wonder if we're ever going to be able to see that utopia that is talked about so much in Star Trek. Um, how do you feel about what's happening? Do you think that with everything that's happening, we're finally starting to turn that corner to put all of the ugliness of, of racism and, and bigotry behind us? Or do you think that this might just be another unfortunate example that just gets forgotten about in a short amount of time? I think, and I hope, and I believe that not only will we, we be able to put the bigotry behind us, but there is a future in which we will be colorblind, where all lives will matter, and there will it would be it would be ideal. It's really part of uh, Roddenberry's vision mm-hmm. that there'd be no racism, there'd be no sexism, and I'm very optimistic that the positive results of this worldwide awareness of how appallingly people of color have been treated for centuries mm-hmm. is going to change that there will be radical real change in people's hearts and in their minds and um, I'm, I'm very optimistic that when things settle down people will behave differently and there will be more honor and more respect and i i'm i'm not usually this serious but i mm-hmm. I, I really believe that this is the time Amen. Long, long, long last. Yeah, absolutely, that's great to hear. Because, like I said, I've, I've, I've had my doubts watching everything going on, but then I see people 
you know, just getting together strangers in the streets and, and, and pulling together and it, it rebuilds that hope that I have. And it's good to hear someone, um, who we have looked up to for so many years, uh, on television, uh, have the same idea. So thank you. <laughs> yeah, I'm, 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 I'm very hopeful. It's, it's got to, it does have to. Yes. I, I have to believe that myself. Um, it's, I find myself wanting to tune out of the news because I have a hard time processing everything that's going on, but I can't, I, I have to know what's going on because this is, uh, this is one of the most important things that's ever occurred in my lifetime. Um, you know, we see how it's progressed from day to day. Oh, and and I, I love it. it's so important that it's taken over the, uh, the COVID news. Yes. That the, that the human news of, of, of a new awareness Mm-hmm. Of, of Black Lives Matter culture as is leading the the uh, news cycle all over right. the world. And I think yeah. it's it's really exciting, and I think I think it's powerful, and I think it's powerful because it's going on this long. That's why I think yeah, it's exactly. in people's core. I sure hope so. Well, it's uh, outlived a, the twenty four hour news cycle. It is part of people's thoughts and hearts and feelings, yeah. and they're I think reevaluating. Hopefully, people are reevaluating the way they, they treat each other. Definitely. Definitely. Well, um, what do you say we, we play a little game? Um, lighten things up a little bit, Jonathan. Um, we're going to play a little game with you called This or That. And for every answer, we are going to add an additional $50 to the Trek Geeks fundraiser for Feeding America. In fact, let's look at that right now, see where it's going. Uh, right now, we're at almost $4,000. Um, so we've almost doubled what we initially hoped to raise. Look at that wow. beautiful face on that screen. That's fantastic. Um, that handsome it. bastard. I know. Look at him. He's, he's beautiful. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, we figure that um, that's, that's almost 40,000 meals. Right. That, that people are going to get. And that's truly amazing. So, I mean, my, my heart is full of gratitude to everyone who's donated. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, keep it coming because we're going we're gonna to play a little game with Jonathan and then we're going to talk about some prizes uh, after the fact and Jonathan gets on to doing something fun. Um, so, no, has been, you guys are great. I've enjoyed this with you. Oh, well, Tell me thank about you, this sir. game now. All right. So, it, we're going to give you a choice of two things on the screen and you have to pick one of them and maybe give us a little bit of reason as to why. So we're going to give you a test slide to start with. So this one's for nothing. This is a, this is a warm-up, if you will. So fair enough, Jonathan, you obviously know something of the Boston Red Sox. You're a big baseball fan. If I had to ask you who number 24 was on the Red Sox, would you say Dewey Evans, Dwight Evans, the, the, the legendary player, or would you say who Manny you say Ramirez? Manny Ramirez? Yeah. I would say Manny Ramirez. Oh, I'm sorry. We were looking for Ooh, Dwight Evans. Ouch. I'm really sorry. And and if you were if you were yeah. if you listened closely, Bill called Dwight Evans a living legend. So see, now we have two on uh, screen. Oh, we do. <laughs> we do. Didn't he call him Dewey Evans? Dewey. Yeah, yep. that's Dewey's his nickname in the clubhouse. Yeah. Dewey. We might be Red Sox. You're fans. a good fan. <laughs> uh, he was actually my favorite player growing up. My favorite um, Red Sox player too. For, for my uh, my 40th birthday, my wife got me uh, a Dwight Evans jersey uh, from 87, you know, uh, replica with the Fenway 75th anniversary patch. It's a uh, it's I still haven't worn it because I treasure it that much. So wow. that that's how this game is going to go. The rest of these questions actually all yeah. have to do with you. 
Yeah. <laughs> the rest of these questions all have to do with you. So you'll have to pick something related to Riker, most likely, or you, uh, and then probably give us a reason why. So, and again, no pressure. Um, we're going to add 50 bucks to the pod for each of these. So um, if you get it right, it's actually helpful. <laughs> No pressure. <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> well, let's start with number one. Manny. Let's start with Manny being Manny. Riker being Riker. <laughs> Riker, I like that. Oh, so uh, would you pick Space Jumpsuit or Space Pajamas? The season one TNG uh, unitard, if you will, or the brand new threads you got in Star Trek Picard? Space Pajamas, hand down. I hated the Space Jumpsuit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that is correct. With a burning passion. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I'm not quite sure what they were thinking with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, that's 50 in the win column. Great job, Jonathan. Oh. Oh, <laughs> um, yeah, th- this, this Thank uniform, you very much. this uniform over here doesn't really do a whole lot. And I should have photoshopped Evan's face on, on the, on the TNG jumpsuit. That would have been fantastic. Yeah. Well, okay. So you're doing pretty great so far. You're one for one. Let's move on to the second slide and see how you do. Are we going to take the Riker maneuver of the foot, the leg over the chair? Are we going to take the Riker walk down the corridor like an action hero? Now, before you answer that, Jonathan, I do have to tell you, I'm going to put Bill on the spot right now. He does the best Riker walk impersonation I have ever seen. So next time we're all in Vegas and if we run into you, I'm going to make him do it for you in person because it's pretty, it's pretty damn good. Shoulder does he lead with? It depends where the wall is. <laughs> okay, Bill. Yeah. <laughs> right. It depends on whether you're turning right or left down the corridor. Um, that that the opposite shoulder is up. This is a tough one. I know. I do. I do, I do love the walk. I stole <laughs> the walk. I know it looks like a, it's, it's a John Wayne type walk. But I stole it from a wonderful actor named John Cullum. Oh, Shenandoah. Who, uh, I, yes, I watched him from the wings every night when I was in Shenandoah. And he strutted across the stay, if that's the verb I need, with leading with one shoulder. And I stole it <laughs> for Riker from John. So it's an homage to him. The Riker maneuver over the back of the chair just happened. And then it became somebody brilliantly chiseled together every time it happened in that uh, YouTube <laughs> And that is, uh, lives in infamy and makes me very proud. <laughs> Riker's walk. Uh, I'm sorry. We were looking for the Riker maneuver. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, it was neck and neck, but uh, the jet. What's that? You led the witness. Didn't it? I didn't say it was a you fair fight. <laughs> oh, yeah. Fair enough. Good enough. Well, uh, uh, th- so you're, you're one for two. That's actually pretty good as a professional baseball player. You'd be, you know, you'd be batting 500. You're, do- you're doing great, man. And that it's takes us to have baseball back. But uh oh, takes us to screen three. We got Crazy Man Riker from one of my favorite episodes, Frame of Mind, and we got right. Caveman Riker. Oh, Genesis from Genesis. That's right, season yes. seven. Hmm. I like a Crazy Man Riker, hands down. Yes. <laughs> yes, that was a great that was a great episode. That was one of those Correct. mind bleeping episodes. That was great. I, I think the thing I like the most about Frame Good of Mind is that you get to 
step outside normal Riker and completely just go unhinged. I think that's what I love about it so much. That's what I liked about it as well. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So where you're at, you're two for three, still very respectable. Um, you should be proud. You should be proud. Dan took this test earlier and failed. Wow. We can't, well, we can't us, all be Jonathan Frakes. Uh, he, I know, right? This takes <laughs> oh, us to the oh fourth boy. slide. We got date night Riker <laughs> as he's getting you know, uh, all dolled up in season one to meet the, uh, the, uh, the, the leader of the planet, Angel One. And then we got Beta Zed Riker, who's uh, in Menage at Troy. Hmm. I know which one I'm let's picking. Let's talk briefly about, <laughs> let's talk about date night Riker's ear cup, if you notice on the left here there. <laughs> That's an exclusive jewelry. <laughs> that was Date Night Riker was designed by Bill Tice from the original series, and I would say looks a lot like costumes that the women wore on the original series. Yeah, yep. Beta Z Riker was designed by the great Bob Blackman. Oh yeah. So I'm pushing for the full, fully chest covering Beta Z Riker. Uh, hold on. Just coming in from the judges right now. Apparently, the judge is a big Jonathan Frakes fan, and she says, "No, I'm sorry. It's Date Night Riker." <laughs> and I, I will also add to that, Jonathan, that that judge, who is a big Riker fan, also wishes that there was a real Betazoid wedding to see you in, because oh. we all know what happens at a Betazoid wedding and what they wear or don't wear. It's true. Do we ever? <laughs> do we ever well right, so you're you're still you're back at 50 percent. this is incredibly respectable um i i'm i'm stunned that you're doing as well as you are because i mean this is way beneath you <laughs> or right next to me <laughs> <laughs> all right so then we move on to the fifth slide we got anbu jitsu Riker oh. from the icarus factor where you and mitchell ryan sort of duke it out with uh, hockey pads and then we got cat like Riker. Which is uh, which is pretty fascinating. Doing some uh, some some Klingon uh, martial arts with Worf. Wow, that Anbujitsu costume is an unfortunate outfit. <laughs> I'm gonna go. That was uh, that Anbujitsu was not Blackman's finest hour. I gotta say, that's terrifying. Uh, Cat like Riker Mitch is Ryan, the correct. By What's that? Mitch Ryan from. Uh, well, I know him from Dharma and Greg because, uh, I'm, I'm younger, but, uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. That's right. North and South. Absolutely. Yes, yes, yes. See, Where are you, all Dan? The, all the big names were involved in that thing. <laughs> Dan, you're letting us down. I'm sorry. It's your goddamn <laughs> favorite miniseries. I know, but that's what he said. I know. I heard him say it an hour ago. Patrick and Jonathan and Jeannie. Come on, James Reed. Come on, <laughs> man. I forgot one. <laughs> yeah, the one we were talking about. But okay, so Cat Like Riker, you're back on the in the winning column. You got a winning record coming into the, I think it's the last slide here. Right. And that is uh, number one or number one. <laughs> number one. Oh, that is correct. That's nice. a great Very job. Nice. That was exactly what I thought you'd say. That's a great job. So, <laughs> did you have any words for Sir Patrick when he replaced you with a dog? I was honored. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, chose, I chose to take the high road, and I was I was incredibly honored. He loved his food. 
Well, uh, Jonathan, we are honored that uh, that you joined us here tonight. Uh, yes. It was it was a joy to speak to you. Um, thank you so much for so many years of of entertainment and and Star Trek and and directing. Um, you are a part of our Trek family, and and we love you. We've told this story to other people that uh, you don't know us from a hole in the wall. Uh, you've never met us, and you agreed to do this. Um, uh, no questions asked, and we we thank you from the bottom of our hearts for for helping us feed a lot of people tonight. Absolutely. Thank you very much for having me, and I'm very proud of you for uh, raising this money to help to feed the people. The need of the many. Absolutely. The, need, the needs of the money. Ladies and gentlemen, Jonathan Frakes. Jonathan, thank you so much. Uh, you are welcome to drop at any time. We're going to continue on and, uh, and give away some stuff. <laughs> Peace out. Peace out. Live long and prosper, man. Take care, Jonathan. Thank you for everything. Thank you. Wow. 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 Okay, now I would have gotten the north and south thing. I just didn't hear what was being said. And as soon as I saw it in the comments section, I'm like, oh my God, yeah, of course he was in north and south. Man, I knew what I was talking about. And we have to apologize. Everybody <laughs> commented. We, we appreciate it. We got a chance to check them, but um, we are overwhelmed by the number of comments. So we apologize for yeah. not being able to get to any. We knew that we had a limited amount of time with Jonathan. And uh, we wanted to make the most of it. Um, as as I'm sure you'll agree, uh, it was it, it was one hell of a time. Wow. He is such a great great sport. Um, but uh, but Dan, we're gonna we're gonna give some stuff away. Giving stuff away is always fun. Giving stuff away is something I love doing. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. So we have a, a collection of of prizes, if Ooh, you will. A collection. A collection of prizes. Wow. We reached out to some friends of ours in the Trek community. Yeah. We and uh, so far, everyone who's donated is eligible mm -hmm. for a prize. In fact, let's take a let's take a quick check of the tote board right now, Dan. I think you're gonna. Dun, 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 dun. I, I think you're gonna pee yourself. Okay, here we go. Because right now we've raised oh. forty one hundred dollars uh, in change. Oh, to help yeah. feeding America. That's forty one thousand meals. Wow, um, that's unbelievable. I I am I Trek family. I thank you so so much. Uh, this is amazing. Um, I, I am without speech is what I gotta it say. It, it's seeing numbers like that. And I'm extremely serious when I say this, I know I like to joke around a lot. It's seeing numbers like that, that make me realize that what I thought last week when I said I was scared and that we never could band together and do the right thing in, in the world is all BS. It's people donating when there's a, there's a pandemic going on. People are losing jobs. They don't have money. And there's $4,100 and 41,000 meals that are going to be available to people in need right now because all the donors here care about what's going on in the world. So thank you from the bottom of my heart, from the bottom of Bill's heart. It really is unbelievable. Uh, I, I perfectly stated. Um, so uh, we do have f a bunch of prizes to give away. Up first, we have not one, not two, not three, but four signed books from New York Times bestselling author Dayton Ward. We have two of his Kirk Fu manual, A Guide to Starfleet's Most Feared Martial Art. And Dan, we also have two of the brand new original series novel that was released this yes. week. Yes, Agents of Influence. Oh, yes. I'm so excited just, for that. I'll tell you what, I just love that cover. <laughs> I think oh, the I love fantastic. The yeah, it kind, really it kind of makes me think of Star Trek Beyond a little bit. A little bit, yep, a little bit with the uh, with the asteroids. Don't give anything away. I'm not giving no. anything <laughs> away. I haven't read it yet. <laughs> no, all right, well, stop yelling at me. Sorry, sorry. Stop yelling at me. So we're going to give away. That's great. We're going to give away two of 
The Kirk Fu, signed Kirk Fu manuals. Now I can't even say Kirk Fu correctly. La. So the first copy of Kirk Fu is going to go to Chaz Bradshaw. Chaz, Chaz, thank you so much for your donation. Um, We're going to get in touch with everybody through email after the fact. So um, be looking for that. The, The first copy of Agents of Influence, of course, signed is going to go to Steph, also known as Toxic Ginger Rose on Twitter. That's a cool so That's name. exciting. It is. Yeah. It is. Um, that's that's where I'm still gushing over Jonathan Franks. So I'm having a hard time getting through this. <laughs> he looked fantastic. I, he really did, didn't he? God, he did, yeah. He really, really did. Um, <laughs> do not stalk him. <laughs> do not do it. Again. Uh, again. Yeah. The... The second copy of the Kirk Fu manual is going to go to Shannon Fauver. Shannon. Shannon, thank you so much. Of course, one of our friends from Star Trek Las Vegas. Yes, absolutely. And these are all being drawn randomly, folks. Uh, the randomizer is kicking these names up when I, I happen to, uh, to randomize. And then the last copy of TOS Agents of Influence, the brand new TOS novel, is going to Neil Weekly. Awesome. That is some fantastic stuff right there, Dan. That was a horrible Johnny Carson impersonation. I know. That's, uh, Leave that's those to the, me. Part of the reason why I did it. <laughs> <laughs> and anybody who has not read or looked at Kirk Fu, Fu Manual, that is that is a piece of literature history right there. It's fantastic. You're going to love it. <laughs> it really is. So, Dan, we also have Ooh. two of the brand new app-enabled interactive tribbles from our friends at Science Division. Uh, this is a product we love. I happen to have mine on the desk right over there. Um, mine's in silent mode right now because otherwise it would be screaming because you're on my screen. Absolutely. Thank you. For Absolutely. It would mm-hmm. be. So um, <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to draw a couple of names for the Tribble right now. Uh, the first Tribble goes to Pete Rushy. Pete, thank you so much for your donation. And Tribble number two goes to oh, come on randomizer catch up justin porteous p-o-r-t-e-o-u-s uh thank you both so much you both have an app enabled tribble that will be coming to you soon and they're not dangerous and they're 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 a little oh. dangerous so uh, come okay. on. Go, i didn't go say, say like how you go ahead do it, <laughs> do it. <clears throat> because tribbles are not dangerous they're so dangerous <laughs> So dangerous. Excuse me. Excuse me. Yes. Well, Dan, our last couple of prizes are are, are pretty significant. So Mm -hmm. our friends at Fansets have really stepped up to the plate to help us out here. The first prize from Fansets is a seven-pin set of pins from Star Trek Picard. So on the screen there, you see the full-size Federation Delta. You see the Starfleet Visitor Badge. You see the number one pin. Oh, I love number one. Number one. Good boy. You see the Star Trek Picard logo pin, which mm-hmm. is awesome. You see the number one dog tag. That's so cool because that has a hole in the top, so you can actually put it on your dog. Right? Yeah. You also see the Picard family crest, which was actually used in the series. Not that one specifically, but that pin from Fansets was used on set on Sir Patrick Stewart, and yep. now they produce them for you. And then lastly, this is a brand new pin on the screen on the far right, the Fenris Rangers calling card. So if you need a little seven of nine in your life, um, you could probably just dial that up, and she will come rescue you regardless of whatever board cube you happen to be on. And it will not glow if you press it, 
but if you're an engineer, you could probably get some lights behind it and do it yourself. So just letting you know. <laughs> you probably could. So this seven pin set of Star Trek Picard pins, and notice I have to say that very carefully or I'm going to screw it up like Dan, nah. is going to Jamal Taylor. Jamal, thank you so much for your donation to Feeding America. These seven pins are going to be on their way to you shortly and we'll make contact with you in email. The Picard pins, the Picard pins. Picard pins, Picard pins. And then lastly, Dan. Oh, my. When I said fansets stepped up, they really stepped oh. up. So they have gone into the vault mm-hmm. at fansets. It's a cavernous place, almost like the end of Raiders of the Lost Ark. You know, we see the, the miles and miles of crates. Mm. That's what the fansets vault is like. And they have taken out for us wow. the DS925 Masters Collector set. Uh, <laughs> which I'm just, I am stunned I, and grateful for. That's amazing. Um, I don't know what to say. Yeah. That's, that's huge. Yeah. And Jonathan Frakes actually was in an episode of Deep Space Nine, so it all ties together. It's it pretty all, awesome. All ties it's together. all planned, man. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, this is going to one lucky winner, of course. Now, it is. Uh, it comes mounted in a 12 by 12 frame. Um, and also it's in a, I should say a shadow box. It's framed and, uh, you, the deep space nine twenty five pin in the upper right hand corner is also part of the set. So really you get nine pins in all there's Cisco, Kira, Odo, Bashir, Worf, Jadzia, Dax, O'Brien, Quark, and, uh, the, the 25th anniversary pin. Uh, right I know there. this, I'd say yours is right there. This is yeah. one of your favorite sets. It's one yeah. of mine. Oof. And, uh, and we're, we're actually going to give one away, dude. Wow, that's amazing. Fan, you know, everybody at Fansets, we talk about them every week, and we're not blowing smoke. They are fantastic. They make quality pins. They are fantastic people, and they're fans. So they put their heart into their product. So this is great. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you so much. And uh, so the winner of the Deep Space Nine 25th anniversary set is Sandy Thorpe. Sandy, thank you so much for your donation. And thank you to everybody who has donated. It, uh, it really means the world to us. I, am, um, I, 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 I should have known that Trek family would turn out the way they did, Dan, because yeah. uh, whenever we call on them for anything, they are 100% amazing. They are absolutely amazing. We cannot thank you guys enough for your support for this very important cause. You know, a couple of years ago, Bill and I did the scants in Vegas to raise money, and we were blown away by what was raised for that. This blows that out of the water. I mean, it's just unbelievable the way that the Star Trek community comes together to help people in need. I think it's fantastic, and and I will always be very grateful. Bill, do you have the the uh, slide right now currently of what it's at at this very moment? Or is I that can something... very shortly. Okay, that's fine. You can bring that up while I talk a little bit because whatever that amount is, if you remember, folks, we were talking with Jonathan uh, with this or that and how he did, um, and we told him that for every right answer, we would donate fifty dollars uh, from Trek Geeks. Well, that was all a lie. We're donating it for every answer, whether it was right or wrong. So we're very proud and honored to be um, donating $300 towards the cause ourselves. Um, and so that just means 3,000 more meals. That's what's important. Um, right now, I my eyes are so bad. It looks like 4,203. Is that correct? 4,203. That is 4203. correct. 4,203. So, yeah. So we got $4,500 now after our contribution. 45,000 meals are going to be distributed as a result of you people donating, sitting here, listening to us weirdos talk to a, an icon in the Star Trek universe. 
if you think about it, that's that's one meal for everybody in a medium sized city in suburban America. Yeah, um, that that's staggering. That's real help that Star Trek fans are providing. Uh, I've said this the, the whole way. This is what our fandom is wired for. Um, we we care about helping. We care about that vision of the future. We care about humanity, and we wanted to help in some way and we're happy to, to, to make that impact as, as, as a Trek fandom in some small way. I just, I'm, I'm overwhelmed with gratitude for everybody, Dan. Absolutely. And I'm going to shine the spotlight on you and embarrass you for just a second, Bill. I hope you don't mind. And I got to say, this was Bill's idea. He came to me and said, we, we have to do something with what's going on. He pitched his idea to me, and I instantly said it was great. These are examples of the things that Bill does, which proves his sincerity and and what he holds in his heart. Just little things that we've done during this pandemic about having Zoom meetings where Patreon people can come in and we can just get together to just kind of break up the monotony of what's going on. I got to thank you, man, for what you've done, because you've made me a better person by the things that you want to do here on the show. And when you do things like that, we get the response that we've gotten. And a lot of people who are hungry right now are not going to be as hungry because of your idea. So thank you. It's not often I tear up on this show and, and I am now. So um, I like to think of us as um, thoughtful people. We, we can talk about Star Trek all week long, and we do. We have a whole network dedicated to it, and it's our passion, and we love it. But these microphones in front of us aren't any good if we can't do anything with it. Um, we would still put out the show to, to have fun because at the end of the day, Trek Geeks is about Star Trek through the lens of our friendship. But if we can't affect some real change or some real help, then in my opinion, there's no point in getting behind them. Well, I've always said that that we'll continue to do Trek geeks until it's not fun anymore and it will always be fun. Mm -hmm. Um, so we'll always be doing it, but uh, I think the opportunity to do things like this more and more is what sustains me as we get further on in, in podcasting, honestly. Well said, man, that's absolutely feel the exact same way. I, um, uh, we're not calling anybody else out. Um, this is what we do. Um, uh, we are happy that there are so many great Star Trek podcasts out there and we support and stand behind every single one of them because more Star Trek discussion is great Star Trek discussion. It is good for our fandom. It is good for the franchise. It is good for us as individuals because it changes our perspective sometimes. And, um, we're just trying to add to that conversation. So, um, uh, I have to thank you, buddy, because you have never once balked at a crazy idea I have come up with. <laughs> I came up with this idea three weeks ago. Yeah. Three weeks ago. Yep. Um, and I'm going to tell a little bit of a story. So we went to CBS and we said, hey, could we get insert name here from insert show here? And they said, oh, let us check. Uh, ultimately, they came back and said, no, unfortunately, they can't right now. I said, okay. Um, and no then problem. I decided to take a different tactic. And said, all right, well, who can we talk to that we know understands Gene's vision? And one name came to mind first, and it was the only name I brought to Dan. Yep. And I said, let's talk to Jonathan Frakes. And Dan said, I love it. You're on a hot streak. Let's do it. 
That's and we right. did because because you got Sid too. So yeah, you're two I, for two, man. I know I'm two for two. So I'm giving up my uh, vice president of media relations title. Uh, as the co CEO, I do not accept that change <laughs> in the manner management structure. All right, I'm sorry to interrupt. Go ahead. <laughs> um, so uh, we we got in touch. Uh, I got in touch with uh, our, with our friend Jay Stoby. Um, Jay, who's watching tonight, a, a, a fantastic freelance writer who writes for both Star Trek and Star Wars at times. And uh, I said, "What do you think?" And so. Um, he, he guided me through the process, put me in touch with Jonathan's agent and, uh, and it went from there and Jonathan agreed instantaneously. Like the question was asked and less than an hour later, the response right. was yes, absolutely. Let's do it. Yeah. So that should tell you something about Jonathan Frakes. Um, not only do we love him because he is awesome and amazing and, and uh, so wonderful at what he does, but at the end of the day, he's a good human. Yeah. And and that's what we cared about the most was finding a good human to talk to um, that would also put up with us. <laughs> Listening to Jonathan talk tonight made me realize something. He talks about how important the characters are. Before I came upstairs to record tonight, my wife and I were watching Big Bang Theory because we do just about every night when we're eating dinner. And it was an episode where Penny was doing a really bad movie with Will Wheaton, Next Generation. <laughs> and the director was literally sitting in his chair looking at his phone while they, while they were filming the scene. And you, you get that kind of a director, and then you have somebody like Jonathan or any of the directors that have worked on any of the Star Trek series as of late. They care about the product that they're putting out. They care about the stories, and they care about the character. So anybody who has a problem with what Star Trek is about doesn't know what Star Trek is about. Yeah. Um, and I'm glad that we were able to get such great perspectives from Jonathan um, from both his early days in TNG right up through the finale in Picard in season one this year. It, it was, it was, a, it was a discussion I am never going to forget. Absolutely. So everybody, thank you. Thank you so much from the bottom of our hearts. Um, we, we give each other a lot of crap on this show. We joke around a lot at the end of the day. We love each other very much like brothers yep. and uh, we love all of you as our Trek family. So uh, to all of you who've been introduced to Trek geeks for the first time tonight, thank you very much for checking us out and for participating. Thank you for donating or even just thank you for watching because we're glad you could take a little bit of time and enjoy a great conversation with the Star Trek living legend. <laughs> I like that. So again, special thanks to Jay Stoby, to Elisa Adler, to Dayton Ward, our great nice. friend, uh, to Science Division, Jay and Kaylea over there, and of course to Fansets, Lou and John and JoJo and the whole gang. Um, thank you for helping make this night a tremendous, overwhelming success because we could not have done it without any of you. I gotta um, say... It was a fartastic night. Ha, I thought I was going to get out of this thing. No, you weren't going to. I just saw his name roll up on the screen. I'm like, you're not getting away from this one. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, in that case, this is the point where I typically say, for now, this has been the Trek Geeks live stream with special guest Jonathan Frakes to benefit the Feeding America COVID-19 response fund. We do hope you all live long and prosper. Thank you, everyone, and good night. Coconut. Music for Trek Geeks is provided by Five Year Mission. They're writing one song for each episode of the original series. Download their music at fiveyearmission.net. Trek Geeks, a Star Trek podcast, is a production of Coconut Media Works, executive producer Bill Smith. For even more Star Trek discussion, check out Discovering Trek, a Star Trek Discovery Companion, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and discoveringtrek.com.